Thousands upon thousands of women over 40 are returning to the dating scene for the first time in many, many years. That's a daunting and frightening prospect for many of them. My guest today will eliminate those fears. Martha Bodyfelt is a dating and relationship coach for busy women over 40. Since 2016, she's coached and mentored hundreds of women on how to return to the dating scene and attract and keep the love that they desire. Okay, Martha. So like I said, I'm super excited to talk to you because the conversation or the topic about dating, and and it was difficult anyway for people, but dating midlife is just a whole different thing. And it, it's something that shows up with my clients in my office all the time. And so I'm very excited to hear, you know, how did you get into this and what kind of work do you really do in this arena? Absolutely. So I got into it kind of like a bit of a circuitous route in that I don't think anybody's high school counselor says, hey, kid, how about you become a dating coach when you're, you know, when you're at midlife. And so I had originally started my coaching journey as a divorce coach and a divorce recovery coach about six, seven years ago. So going through the International Coaching Federation certification, having a client base that was solely men and women going through divorce and then transitioning to working solely with women who were in their 50s and better, who were trying to establish their identities after divorce, get their confidence back, get their self-worth back, and working with men as well who were who were going through divorce or who were who were widowers. But what I kept hearing women ask me, especially women over 50 and in 60 in their 60s, saying, you know what, Martha, I've been very appreciative of the work that you've done with the divorce recovery, with helping me gain my confidence, helping me plot out my sense of purpose and helping me get my self-worth back. I feel like I'm ready to date and I feel like I'm ready to find love, but I haven't dated since, you know, the, the Reagan administration, or the Clinton administration. So what do I do? Do I really have to go online? And so I was hearing that maybe for about a year, but ignoring it a little bit until eventually as someone at midlife myself, I ended up finding love again because I had gone through a pretty nasty divorce well over 10 years ago and had made all the dating mistakes and was kind of imparting that on my clients. And so it was almost just kind of this kind of beautiful parallel track where my clients and my client base had had expressed wanting to have help learning to date again and me feeling like I was in a place after having made the mistakes, after having done my own self-work and getting very honest with myself over a course of years of the mistakes I was making as a midlife dater and then developing my own framework that I could then share with my clients. And so it was a um, it was this beautiful evolution from divorce coach to dating at midlife. And I I love it. There is no greater joy for me than working, particularly my, my client base is about 95% women over the age of 50, but it is so joyful to help them navigate dating and really kind of imparting with them that you should not be dating like you did in your 20s. Yes. There is a sophisticated, evolved way to do that and really kind of 
helping them helping to do that through these action oriented steps. And so it's been, I, I love this work. I think there's a huge need for this work. And so I'm really appreciative that you're having me on the show to discuss it. Oh, thanks. Me too. I'm very excited. So you and I are very similar in that, you know, a lot of the clientele I have though are men coming um, to that place where it's like, okay, now I have to start dating again after being married for 20 some odd years. And even things as simple as what kind of photos you know, to use on their websites or their, their dating sites and stuff like that. But, um, for my female clients in particular, I notice, and you tell me what you've noticed that when we start having conversations about dating midlife, there are, it's a, a mixed bag because, you know, yes, there's years of fantasizing, um, about what kind of a partner I could have when you start to, um, dislike the one that you're with or be done with it. And, you know, but then the reality of, okay, now, now I'm this age and, you know, are people going to think I'm old and who's going to be attracted to me? And there's some exhaustion and there's already a little bit of fatigue before it even begins. Um, and so there's a lot of fear that, you know, like, ugh, what am I going to, what if, what if he sees me, but there are a thousand other beautiful women on there. And same with my, my guys too. Like, why would they choose me? I'm not the richest man. I'm not the, you know, most handsome man or whatever, whatever it is. So, where do you start with your clients? Where where can somebody start even beginning to build the courage to do this? Absolutely, because I think that just going out there into the wild and the moment that you find yourself single and just automatically setting up um, an online dating profile or going to a singles over 50 without a plan, I'm not saying it's impossible, but you are making it a lot more difficult for yourself. And something that I work with with my clients as far as where to start is something that I have patented called the dating DNA framework. And so the dating DNA framework is this intensive four-month framework that I have all of my clients go through, whether they are men or women. And what that does, it that helps them get very clear. It provides them clarity that why do I even want to date? Is it out of loneliness? Is it out of, you know, I'm a, I'm a sexually active person? Is it out of what are these reasons? And getting very clear on what are you even, what are the reasons that you even want to date, that you even want to have a partner and find love again? And then also looking at when we go through that clarity phase of what are the things that maybe you liked or disliked about your prior partners, about yourself in those relationships, and even that dynamic and getting very honest with if there was something that you didn't like about that relationship how did you contribute to that and how can you recognize that behavior so you don't pull that into a future relationship and so those are some components of that clarity stopping self-sabotage working on beliefs that no longer serve you as well as getting very grounded in even why you want to find love again so that's the first part the second part of the dating DNA framework is having confidence, getting very confident and knowing and truly understanding why dating at midlife is actually an asset and how you can actually use your sophistication and your age and your expertise as an incredible asset and superpower, I'd like to say, when you go out there dating, as well as that confidence component is really grounding in your self-worth, grounding yourself in your dating values and standards. And so you just kind of feel like Superman or Superwoman when you get out there. And then the third component of the dating DNA framework is what I call connection. Now, while I think 
think online dating is definitely a great way to meet people. I feel, unfortunately, this day and age, people are using it as the only way to meet people. And they get very, very disappointed with that. So the other part of the dating DNA framework with connection is understanding and really kind of harnessing all these other wonderful ways to get out and make connections with people in ways that make you feel great and make you feel confident. Because when you're feeling confident where you are, you're going to emanate that energy. And so that is probably a very long winded answer to your question, but it is getting very grounded in clarity why you want to date and what you don't want in a relationship and your responsibility in that getting confident in what you really want in a partner and having that kind of connection that goes beyond the online dating profiles to go and date and have fun, learn about yourself, learn about other people and find love again. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, it's a great answer, by the way. It's not, it's not long winded at all. I think it's fabulous. You know, I, the way, the way I see it is, you know, you know, that saying you are who you have breakfast with, like we, we tend to be attracted to like-minded people. Right. And so the idea of, and I talk a lot about the, the relationship we have with ourselves, that if we aren't at a, if we aren't feeling, and we're not, you know, we always strive to be our best selves, but if we're not at a place where we've we've grieved, where we have been able to envision a, a, a better lives for ourselves. If we if we're not abil- we don't have the ability to connect yet with ourselves, then it makes it obviously very difficult to go out into the world and and then connect with other people. But I do have clients where um, they haven't done the work on themselves. They they are you know out of, out of shape or overweight but what they expect when they look online or you know when they're out there is something very very different and it's almost like well how can you how can you hope to get you know this fruit, if your fruit is fallen off the tree, so to speak, you know what I mean like like how do you, do you do you know what I'm talking about like it's like yeah yeah and then with us as kind of working kind of in heart-centered professions, It is coaching and helping our clients kind of understand and lovingly holding that mirror up to realize that if you're not taking care of yourself and you're still angry and hurt and bitter, even if Prince Charming or Princess Charming comes your way, if you have not taken care of your own work and if you have not done your own work physically, health-wise, mentally, spiritually, all of these different assets, if you have not done that work, two things are going to happen. You will, con- you will attract people, but those people are not going to be the people you want to be around. And second of all, because in there, you're going to be more prone to possibly manipulation or scaring people off. And then even if you do attract incredible people, if you have not countered and really kind of faced your own patterns of self-sabotage, if you have not been really very honest in looking at and rewriting beliefs that no longer serve you, that relationship is not going to the 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 possibility of that relationship actually being wonderful and successful and somebody coming to save you or whatnot it doesn't it doesn't work like that and so it is really doing that work feeling great movement exercising going speaking with therapists working with coaches doing the introspection and really i like to call it taking radical responsibility mm-hmm. for your next love life and so when they don't do that i feel like the work that you and I, you know, we can do as much as we can, but if they're not taking that radical responsibility, it is very hard to find long, sustaining, secure love at, at, at midlife. Yes, very much. And, and, you know, unfortunately there is some reality too that, you know, when you're 
out there trying to attract a partner at 22, it's very different. The feedback from your environment is very different than when you're 52 or 62 or, and that can be disheartening and painful and uncomfortable because, you know, it's like, okay, I put myself out there, but I'm not getting much of a response. And so there's, there's some reality to what people are facing and that, yes, sometimes it's uncomfortable and painful and yeah, you know, we have to kind of wipe the dirt off and skin our knees and get back up there. But when they get to the point where it's like, okay, now I'm dating and I'm terrified to have sex with somebody new. I was with my partner for 20 some odd years and now how do I make love to somebody else? Or or I have the opposite where I have a client who just makes love to everybody because that's what she did when she was 22. And so she kind of goes right back into, I was a slut in college, so let's do it again now and see if it works. Do you know, like the, the pendulum swings both ways. How Can you talk a little bit about wh- what it's like and how, how to manage those fears of who am I today as a sexual being and how do I translate that into a new relationship? Absolutely. And I think that there is a lot of kind of fear work that I certainly do with my clients is getting very, very kind of very grounded on what is it that you're fearful of? Are you fearful that because I have clients that are very fearful of being, you know, of having sex and being physically intimate, even not even on the first date, but even, you know, being together with somebody for two, two or three months and being terrified that if they have sex with that person, that person is going to leave them. And so it is working through what is this actually coming from? Are there abandonment issues that are at play that are kind of in that background coding in your brain that you're dealing with? As far as in, if there's a, if there's a client who's, you know, who is being very, you know, is having a lot of sex, like really kind of getting grounded in, is that something that she really likes? Or is that something that she feels that she has to do? And no, there's no good or bad. It is just what you want and what you're comfortable with. And so what I like to work with my clients, my coaching clients on is what is it that you want and what is it that you need? And if you are a very physically affectionate person who is becoming in your sexual prime again, and you do want to be physically intimate, understand that and be honest with that, but then also understand to not have that fear of that conversation with your partner, that I really want to be physically affectionate. I love doing that even early on. This is who I am. However, understand, and this, these are conversations that, you know, I, I coach my clients with that. If you are afraid that's going to draw a partner away, or it's going to attract the wrong type of partner for you, understanding how you can own what it is that you want and then building that resilience if you're not getting what you that what you want, even if you are having that that behavior. But it comes back to always is a radical responsibility. If you love sex, who doesn't if it's done right? Yeah, yeah. Embrace that. Yeah, for sure. Especially at this age, because now, you know, now we know our bodies well enough. I and mean, yes, as we get older, there's certain things, you know, lubrication and things, all kinds of things that happen as we get older, but that's all just very manageable, especially when you are like, you know, driven to make it great, you know. Um, One of the things I also notice with my clients is that there's this, um, their tolerance level has come down. So when you're, you know, you first fall in love in your 20s and you get married, it's like you grow together, you evolve together. But when you've been single for a while, some people say, well, I'm just so set in my ways. Everything she does or everything he does just bugs the shit out of me. Right? (laughs) Right? Like, Like, are they all this quirky, right? Yeah. So, and there's some truth to it, right? Like, because there's not as much of an openness. We are more set in our ways. We are more confident. We don't put up with some of the same bullshit that we did when we were younger. So how do you address that with your clients? 
I love this. I absolutely love this this question because it's literally every single, it doesn't matter if I've been working with the client for six months, for six days, for, you know, some two to three years at this point is, well, this is just how I am. And this is, this is what I like. And so what I love to work with my clients and I invite them to consider is that, is it what you want and what you expect out of a partner? Is that a nice to have or is that a non-negotiable for you? Because I have folks saying, well, I don't want to date someone unless he's going to go to the opera with me, or I don't want to date someone. I'm not even going to date someone if they don't have an updated passport. I live in Washington, DC. I've got a lot of clients on the East coast and there's that kind of very bougie sensibility that, okay, well, if he doesn't know how to, if he, or if he doesn't have a PhD. And so what I like to challenge them on is usually these non-negotiables that we think are non-negotiables, us being set in our ways is almost just kind of something that we are using as a defense mechanism. Mm -hmm. And so when we said, well, this is just who I am, and this is just, you know, this is how I'm going to do this, and this is who I insist on having, I like to respectfully and playfully challenge that. And so I have clients say, well, he has to have a passport to travel, and I just don't want to have anything to do with him if he hasn't, and which I like to say, well, what if maybe this person didn't didn't have an opportunity to get a passport because they were taking care of a sick child or sick parents? What if this person, what does it look like if that person still wants to explore and doesn't yet have that? And so it's like, oh, well, well, no, as long as they're open to exploring. And then so just kind of inviting the massaging what people think are actually non-negotiables are actually a lot more flexible. And when people say they are really set in their ways, I think as a coach, my responsibility is to kind of introduce some ways to stretch that. And to be stretchy. And when you're able to do that and you're able to come in with an open mind, I have seen with the work that I've done with my clients, they end up attracting more people. They end up attracting incredible people that maybe they thought that they wouldn't have even ended up with. But it, I invite kind of a this kind of concept of flexibility to that. And you can be flexible. And yeah, if there's things that are set in your ways, like you don't want to go to bed past 10 p.m., that's fine. But it's okay to be flexible by maybe trying Ethiopian food instead of just <laughs> always being set. And so it is kind of um. There is definitely a flexibility that I love to introduce to folks that it doesn't matter how old we are, yeah. we can always change our ways. And a lot of the things that we think are non-negotiables, we can actually negotiate a little bit. And allowing for that can create a lot more joy in our lives as we're dating at midlife. Yeah, so we're that's great. So we're talking a little bit about interpretation and even perception of things. You know, I, I recognize a lot of clients, um, you know, get annoyed when they have baggage. Ah, oh, she has baggage. Ah, oh, he has baggage. But but in my mind, if you don't have baggage at midlife, then something is really wrong because we're human beings and we've been through stuff. And you know, first of all, I mean, like if ever anybody ever referred to my kids as baggage, it wouldn't that would be a non-negotiable, right? Because it's not baggage. But the idea of not wanting people with baggage, how do you address that with your clients? Right. And so I like to approach these kinds of kind of when when I when I hear something like that, that's like, oh, that seems kind of like a defense mechanism. When I hear somebody say that, I like to approach it with with curiosity that, well, well, I hear you say, you know, baggage. What is what does baggage look like for you? What is baggage? What does baggage mean to you? And usually what they're saying as, oh, they she she has to, you know, I don't want her to have children. I'm like, well, buddy, you know, you're dating someone at midlife. Chances are they're going to have children. But um, I like to approach it with curiosity. And what they say actually is baggage 
it's usually something that's more underlying than that. So for example, I had a client who had said, well, I don't want a man, I don't want to date a man unless he's wealthy. Well, what does wealthy mean? Let's 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 be curious. And what it actually meant was she had been with a man who did who chose not to work and who chose to kind of just kind of leech off her. And so it was that what she saw was was her kind of version of baggage or what she saw was a non-negotiable was actually we needed to have a bigger understanding of that. And so when we're like, if you hear somebody say, well, what is baggage? Everybody has baggage, but it is up to us to kind of figure out how do we want to work through that? And so when somebody says, well, she has kids, that's baggage. It's kind of approaching with curiosity. Well, well, what do you mean? You know, what if, what if her kids are in college? You know, what if her kids are already have a driver's license, but it's more when I look at that, cause I do have a lot of male clients say that that's, oh, well, I actually would just love it if she could have the freedom to go on trips with me. And so it is really getting curious and digging down a couple of layers deeper to truly understand what it is that they mean. Because when they just come out with this very kind of non-negotiable, it's always, there's always something hidden behind it. And it's my job, I think, as a coach to really get a better understanding of what that means and to help my clients understand what that means for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the idea of the undercurrent because the reality is, is, you know, if, if they were to really be able to look at it, it's like, well, I, I want to feel safe in this relationship. I don't want to be, you know, or I, I'm afraid that her family or her kids won't love me and I won't fit in and I don't want to feel lonely anymore. Like there's so much more to it, which I absolutely agree with. You know, and I do think that it is a defense mechanism, like it's a hiding place. I know that, you know, I, I notice that people, when they're thinking about this, especially after 20 years of marriage, and I'm in the same boat, by the way, that, you know, my whole adult life, I was with somebody. And there are a lot of hiding places that sound very logical, you know, too busy or, you know, and, and as we get older, our social circle gets smaller and smaller and smaller, like, right, when you think about when you were 17 and how many friends you had compared to now at this point. So if somebody doesn't want to really do the online thing, but they also, they notice their social circle is not as robust as it had been. Is there something you'd recommend for them to do so that they can do it organically like they're hoping to? Yes. And I love this. I love this question because it's actually literally something I just spoke with my, with my clients and my group coaching program, Ready for Love About. And I, I think it's very interesting because when we automatically go to online dating and that's what a lot of my my clients do and they're in their 50s 60s and better because that's what they that's what they think they're supposed to do and i think especially giving ourselves a little bit of grace because covid even if you had social networks even if you were doing things a lot of that just kind of got that got cut off and so what i like to I kind of like what I like to play with my clients with is again, leading with curiosity and exploration. Things are opening up here. Thank goodness. I think things are opening up in most places now. And so what I like to guide them through is a couple of things is leading with what activities would you love to do that make you feel incredible, that make you feel like you're having a good time. Because what I love to coach my clients with is leading with themselves first and building with that confidence. Because when you're doing something that you love, that you feel great at, you're going to be actually putting out a wonderful energy and you're going to feel more confident to go up and meet and connect with people at that. So I have a client who is starting to take in-person Spanish classes again. 
And she gets very excited about that. And so she's like, well, I actually, I, I had a, I, I, I met the teacher. He's really wonderful. He's from Costa Rica. And then, then he has invited me to go to have a coffee with his family. And so it's when you're in your element doing things that you love. One of my other clients is really into going to book talks and she's a writer and getting her and really kind of encouraging her to go and actually go into those book talks because she feels wonderful there. She's in her element there. And so she is going to feel more alive, more confident to make connections with, with men there out of it actually in real life and off the screen. And so I, as a coach love to preface, and I do this with my male clients as well, that one of them really loved cars, the classic cars and structuring for him to go to a couple of different car shows in the region. And because that is where he felt the most comfortable and he just, he absolutely loved it. And so the advice I would give to folks who don't want to do things online, and I can't blame you because online sometimes can just kind of feel like a dystopian abyss, but leading with the things that you love and give you joy and worst case scenario, if you don't find people there to talk to, it doesn't matter because you've done something that feeds your soul. So everybody wins in that situation. That's so great. Yeah, you've had fun anyway. So is that how you personally started putting yourself out there? So I was all over the place. So I did a little, when I found myself single about 10 years ago, when I was in my, when I was in my thirties, because I was one of these folks who got very married very, very early and who ended up getting divorced right when I turned 30 while all my other friends were getting married. And so I was definitely not the person that you wanted to invite to the wedding, but I was trying to figure it out for myself. And so what I did, and I've always been a very outgoing person, I've always been very kind of curious. I decided when I did want to meet new people to diversify. And so I was going online, but I knew I just didn't want to do solely that. And so because I was recovering from my divorce and trying to find my own sense of confidence and self-worth, I wanted to do the things that made me happy. I wanted to do the things that maybe I didn't have an opportunity to when I was when I was married. And so, for example, I signed up for wine tasting courses. And I met a lot of really incredible people there. I ended up enrolling in Russian classes and I met some really incredible people there. I actually signed up to go to pastry school. And so I decided to travel quite a bit by myself. There was like five years when I was traveling to maybe eight, 10 countries a year and doing that solo because that was making me feel great. And that was sustaining my soul and helping me gain my self-esteem. But as a wonderful side effect, I was meeting all sorts of incredible men. And so I say what I love to say to my clients, and if I can share this with with your audience, that you would not put all of your hard-earned money as somebody at midlife in one tech stock. That would be insane. What do you do? You diversify. Yes, And that is how we have to look at making connections with people, meeting new people. And I have a lot of people say, well, Martha, what if I go to a book talk or what if I go to, you know, the French class or whatever, and there's, there's not any good, there's not even good, I'm not attracted to anybody there. What I like to say, though, is the people that you meet and the people you make friends with have attractive divorced brothers or attractive divorced sisters or coworkers and whatnot. And so really leaning into that power of loose connections, which is very, very hard to do if you're just going to stay online the whole time. So you have to get out there and explore this beautiful world of ours. Oh, I agree. And I also think the idea of practicing 
smiling, practicing flirting, practicing talking, you know, kind of practicing at least letting your kind of inner goddess come out and celebrate her and, you know, even dressing in a way you've never, you would, you know, you know, wouldn't dress like that. You're just, just playing with it. And, you know, I think it's so valuable. And I, I think that it's really important, especially, you know, midlife, because we do start to see ourselves a certain way or just keep on that hat, that work hat or that mom hat or that brother hat or whatever it is that we have. You know what I mean? So I think it's really, really wonderful. Um, is there any last tips that you would really think it's important that, that listeners hear that they go, oh my God, I'm going to try that? Oh my gosh. So I think, I can't believe our time is already up, but I think <laughs> one of the best kind of tips that I like to just, I would invite people to think with is that in order to be successful with dating, you first have to learn how to have fun by yourself. And knowing that you're having fun by yourself is going to increase your confidence. When your confidence is increased and you're in that great energy and you're having a good time, the universe is going to put incredible people in front of you. But it starts with you. It starts with that bedrock, that foundation of feeling great, knowing what you want, being clear on what you want, and not being afraid to have a little bit or a lot of fun in the process. And once you can figure out that, and you know, there's people to help you with that, coaches, therapists, whatnot. But once you have that mastered, the world is yours with dating at midlife. That's so beautiful. And I'm so excited that you found love too. That's so, that's amazing. I really appreciate your time. I've really enjoyed being with you and talking to you. Thank you. Likewise. For more information, visit our website at lifesauce.com. That's life-sauce.com. And be sure to follow us on social media. I'm Dr. Christy Wise. Thanks for joining us.